This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. This week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. And we are back to talk about another week of Texas recruiting and some Texas high school football. Before we get into all that, Hudson, how's it going? Doing great, Mike. Um, You know, vibes are a little bit down since Texas lost out on the Jalen Hale battle to Alabama that we'll talk about. But other than that, everything's going great. Yeah, um... I guess we can jump kind of right in there. It was a, it was a kind of a, I would say almost a classic, a tale as old as time in the recruiting world of uh, we think things are going one way for so long. And then all of a sudden they, they go the other way Uh, to paraphrase Marlowe from the wire. It was a, it was a case of the Intel on Jalen Hill being so strong um, that it was hard to ignore, you know, the Texas confidence in that race. But even kind of hearing how it played out in the last 48, 72 hours, I still feel good about the way we reported it. It was just, you know, it, it's one of those things that happens in recruitment where it's never over. And when you're facing a team like Alabama, you've always got to worry about them coming in strong in the last minute. Yeah, we – a lot of times we'll joke about that you can never underestimate Alabama and recruiting uh, tenant of the show. And it really actually showed up this uh, past two days where all the intel that we heard, I mean, you know, got a text from a source on Monday that was essentially like, hey, circle back with everybody at Longview. It still feels good for Texas. And then Tuesday morning, got a couple of different messages. We were both on the phone with various people. And what started as this, Alabama Crimson Tide intrigue of like, hey, they're making things interesting late, snowballed into a 
hey, I think this might actually be 50-50 to a, then that night we understood that Hale told the Texas coaches that it would be Alabama and told, you know, the Crimson Tide that it would be them. So I think that um, – From talking to sources, I don't think he ever told Texas it wasn't going to be them, which, um, you know, I think is something that – obviously, if you spend a lot of time and investment in a kid and you recruit them like that, you at least want them to have the respect to call you and tell you. And, and I think they expected a call from him. And I think they heard it from a lot of the same, you know, ways we heard it, but I don't think they ever got the official word beforehand. Um, yeah. Well, there it is. So, you know, reading that what you will, but it is a case of, Hey, you know, these kids are 16, they change their minds and, Um, you know, that's kind of just the way it goes. So um, I talked about this a little bit in the aftermath of, of the recruitment, but to me, it's, it's, you know, people will say, well, why did it happen or or what happened? And I could, you know, we can enumerate on the numerous reasons, but recruiting is a zero sum game. It's a results oriented business. Like at the end of the day, does it really matter? You know, you either win or you lose. And so I, I'm Hudson. I'm curious to your thoughts on that. Like, I, I think it does matter to tell context, but like in the end, it's like, what is it really worth? You either get the guy or you don't. No, I'm with you on that. And I think one of the big takeaways that when we address this in the national signing day recap is just that, especially late, it seems like Alabama just did a really good job with uh, Jalen Hale's dad. Like it seemed like Jalen was really bought in on this Texas program. And even last week, I mean, we were hearing from people of, you know, this is what Jalen's thinking about, what's going to happen when he gets to campus, um, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, when it got into crunch time, Alabama kind of, you know, did what they have always done under Nick Saban, and that's just closed really strong. Yeah, I had three separate sources basically tell me that he had affirmed to Texas in one way or another, you know, in the days leading up to this, that, yeah, this was done, I'm ready to make it official, ready to make, ready to be a Longhorn, that sort of thing. It's just, you know, like I said, it turned into a family decision, and as these things often are, and, um, you know, I, I do think one thing that, you know, maybe they, maybe they had convinced Hale, but, like, with his dad, I think that, you know, the stability of Alabama and the record of success and all those things matter. I mean, obviously, we do see that there are – improvements to this Texas program. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're still talking about a rebuild versus a proven brand and a proven brand, not only on the field, but in NFL production and the draft. Mike kind of snowballing off, or I guess chain reaction from the Jalen Hale uh, news, Texas obviously has one more wide receiver spot open and, we both got some tips late last night about probably the biggest priority um, that the Texas staff will shift to. And you ended up confirming the news that DeAndre Moore is going to take an official visit. The uh, St. John Bosco wide receiver. That's also a Louisville commit. Yeah, it was uh, it's a name that's come up a lot more recently with people I've talked to. And I think they're always kind of looking at contingencies, knowing that the hail recruitment was, it was a very tenuous recruitment in the first place. And it was always going to be something that, you know, we we don't really know how it's going to turn out until it turns out. Let's make sure we're lining up other options as well. 
And um, so I think the perception was, because I reported it, I mean, maybe an hour after Hale had committed, I think the perception was Texas moved fast and did. I, I think something was maybe already in the works uh, based on what we had heard. But yeah, it's I'm a sure we stepped on the gas. For sure. I think, um, I think last night, or I say last night, as we're recording this on, uh, on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, as, as they were kind of figuring it out, I think they very quickly made the move to, to kind of really put the hammer down on that one. You know, he, DeAndre Moore's got a really interesting recruitment and high school history. He is a guy that started at Desert Pines in Las Vegas. Um, he committed to Oklahoma as a sophomore. He decommitted, understandably, when Lincoln Riley left Norman. And then, you know, he was at Los Alamitos in California, commits to Louisville over the summer, kind of starting that snowball effect for Louisville uh, to get guys like Ruben Owens and start putting some big names together, transfers to St. John Bosco. Um, and now, you know, he's looking to take his visits. I don't know, you know, that that you should read into a oh, flips definitely imminent because he, he did tell me he wants to take all of his visits. He's got four left. I think that uh, I, I would expect to see Georgia in there. I would expect to see the USC maybe make a run at him because they've been involved in the past. I think Miami wants to make a push for him as well. So there's going to be a lot of schools interested. And the, the thing to know about Texas is before he committed to Louisville, Texas was right there with them. I mean, he did, he did tell me they pretty much finished second uh, to Louisville. So I do think that puts them in a good position going forward. Uh, obviously it's offensive friendly and I really love his game. I could talk a lot about his game because I've, I've probably seen him more than anybody in this market. Um, Hudson, have you watched any of him? Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I think he's very good. I think that his ranking is about where I see him as a um, – I know we have him comfortably in the top 100, but I kind of view him as a fringe top 100 level player and think that it would be an amazing pickup. I don't agree with the fans. There, there are a lot of people today that were kind of just saying, you know, not worried about Jalen Hale because of whatever reason. To be clear, I do think it's pretty major loss because – Watching Jalen Hale twice this year, I think that there's a legitimate argument that he's the best wide receiver in the state. You never want to lose those type of recruiting battles. But where you can find the positives is that this Texas staff is always going to really push for those elite guys like a DeAndre Moore, even though he's committed to Louisville. And they already have three studs in the 23 class. So it definitely uh, softens the blow. But I don't agree with the, you know, I guess standpoint that it's just not a big deal to lose a recruitment of this player's caliber. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, I do think DeAndre Moore brings a similar skill set and athleticism as uh, Jalen Hale does. He's a little bit different of a player. He can play inside the slot. He's about six foot, one eighty. Actually, really, I know I'm always the guy that's like, actually, I really like his upside on the other side of the ball. I actually really like his upside at safety. Uh, I do think he's a really good safety as well, and he plays both ways. But, um, you know, at receiver, he's more than adequate at the position. And what really jumps out to me with with him and what I've seen is not only is the speed, it, he's a, like, ball winner at six feet, can go up and get the ball, can jump with the best of them. So um, I think that, that that it's kind of unique for his type of, of skill set to be able to do that. So I, I, I do really like him. Um, he, it looks like his visit 
is going to come in in November. Uh, we originally thought it was going to be in October, but uh, he told me today that it, it's probably going to be in November, which I think the only two home games, he, he does want to see a game. The only two home games are going to be uh, TCU and Baylor, which is the day after Thanksgiving. So, um, by the way, that Baylor one I've, I've seen, I've heard is, is a possibility for the Deuce Robinson makeup. So, possibility for day after Thanksgiving to have DeAndre Moore and Deuce Robinson, which would be two pretty big visits on that day. Absolutely, Mike. Um, as far as the other 2023 wide receivers, out of curiosity, we've kind of highlighted Jonah Wilson's early season, uh, I don't know, just hot streak surge. It's it's tough to classify it whether it is a hot streak, right, if he's just playing out of his mind or if this is just the level of player Jonah Wilson is. I'm going to see uh, a little spoiler for the high school segment. I'm going to see Jonah and Ryan this Thursday as um, Aldean Eisenhower takes on to Caney. Were there anybody else that you think Texas could reasonably uh, look at? Say, you know, some wild stuff happens and DeAndre Moore decides to commit to Georgia in two weeks or so. Just, you know, a random hypothetical if he's not on the board. Do you think Mikhail Harrison Pilot kind of remains in the picture? Um, I think that, you know, he visited for the Alabama game. Um, He was a guy that we had heard a lot of strong things from in the summer and uh, thought that he might be close to, to committing to Texas. Now, I think him waiting allowed them to really push for Hale, and because of the position they found themselves in with Hale, they got in deep with him. Um, so I would, you know, I'll see them circle back to, to Mikhail Harrison, pilot from Temple. Um, I think Kyle Parker's a guy they look at, but from what I've heard, it's not going to be a, a huge factor right now. I think they do want a little more size on the outside, um, and it wouldn't surprise me to see some new offers go out, to be frank. Um, here's kind of one that is not on the radar right now, but I could see with how his senior season's going and the profile that he has. Uh, Baylor commit Micah Gifford, the six foot three, 185 pounder that plays at Pflugerville Weiss, I think is a circle back senior eval candidate that's really um, kind of had my eyes. And if things weren't able to work out or if they evaluated him and just thought that he was a more intriguing option, I think that's somebody just to keep an eye on, even though there's no contact at the moment. Yeah. I think anybody I think that has some size and can, can run a little bit is a guy to, to circle back on. I also think it's a, it's a great possibility that they just say, Hey, we're going to save that spot for the portal. We've had success there in the past. We've got an offense that's portal friendly. Like we, we may just save that spot for there. If we can't find the right guy, I, I kind of want to circle back to what you had said about Jonah Wilson and, and, and talk about this point. When you think about, is this a hot streak or is this an indication that he's kind of taken the next step in his game? My read on the situation is if it were a hot streak, I think we'd be seeing him winning by doing a lot of the things he's, you know, already shown in his career, like winning 50-50 balls and just kind of being a, a, able to out physical people and out athlete people. We're seeing him do things he hasn't done as much of in his career. He's plucking the ball out of the air where I've always thought he's had some inconsistent hands. He is uh, showing really well in the open field after the catch. Um, I mean, he's, he's doing a lot of different things. And to me, that signals like a real transition and a step forward. That honestly, Mike, I think you nailed that on the head. Like 
that's the biggest thing for me. Seeing him really develop his skill set in the way he has gives a lot of courage that this is just the new and improved Jonah Wilson um, with a better quarterback there at Decaney, having the ability to kind of showcase his full game in ways that really he wasn't able to as a sophomore when he was just a um, nine route jump ball threat. And as a junior where he kind of had to step up and play a lot of QB. And I think that there's still level to cover for Ryan Niblett considering what he kind of has to play with it. Uh, Aldi Eisenhower and, you know, all due respect to that program. Yeah. And like we said, we've seen it with all three guys. I think that, you certainly don't want to dismiss the hell thing as not a big deal, but they are in a good position. This isn't where they were last year at the wide receiver position to where they have to have, okay, we yeah. missed on all the primary targets. And now what do we have? You know, I think this is a, they're in a good spot really going forward. Um, they did uh, host a couple of visitors for the UTSA game. Um, and it wasn't a, you know, we kind of talked about in the week leading up that it wasn't going to be the Alabama game list, but still some big names there, uh, particularly on the committed side with uh, Cedric Baxter, John T. Cook. Uh, I thought maybe, the, you know, the biggest uncommitted guy there was uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel from IMG Academy in the 2024 class. Um, you know, he talked a lot about uh how, how good that visit went for him and, and kind of how highly he thinks about Texas with us earlier in the week. Um, and I think it was, it was a good side of momentum. It was a good side of kind of what you said last week, Hudson, about guys, you know, the, the, that Alabama game provided enough excitement that people wanted to get down there the next week and see what was going on. Yeah, and you talked with uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel and had an article up on the site in case anybody missed it. Uh, I, I talked briefly with uh, Deuce Adams from New Braunfels Canyon, and I still just get the idea um, that he is one of their serious candidates when it comes to that potential bridge quarterback in 2024. Because I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian would ever settle on like a true quarterback to take is his um, only take in a class. I think that he just has almost too high of like an expectation for what a quarterback needs to be to be brought into his program. But I think that Deuce Adams is also kind of elevating himself into that potential, you know, top guy type sphere as far as the in-state quarterbacks. I mean, this year in four games, he has over 1300 passing yards, 16 to three touchdown to interception ratio, and is basically competing pleading about two thirds of his passes. So in addition to the on-field success that we've kind of talked about previously that Canyon's having that really we haven't seen since I think a random like 11 and one squad or 12 and one squad uh, that make a run that made a run a couple years back. So he's kind of elevating himself uh, into being a serious contender to be that 24 quarterback take post Arch Manning and, uh, I loved what your article had with Jordan Johnson Rebel, and I think you nailed it on the head too. That it's like, no, it's not a big recruiting weekend for Texas because I guess the three potential five stars that were on campus are all committed. Like it's 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 funny how the expectations are so warped when any other school just getting a five star on campus, even if they were committed, would be you know news for a week. Yeah, I do think it was big getting Baxter back on campus, uh, essentially because he had visited Florida. I think there were maybe, you know, a couple of worries there. 
And, you know, he ended up in the long run, you know, spending his own money to get back out on an unofficial visit and, and come in. So I think that um, if you were worried a little bit about Florida, that's a good sign that, I think everything's still strong there and, you know, saw a tremendous running, <laughs> running exhibition from Bijan Robinson during the game. Yeah. I tapped the brakes on some of the concerns about Baxter after the Florida visit. And then Florida went out and laid an egg against Kentucky and kind of laid a similar egg against South Florida really played with their food. So even if after the Florida game and re- reading my reporting, you were still a little bit skeptical that, you know, well, he did make the visit. I think now the feeling is a lot better as well. I think, honestly, Derek Williams is just as big of an addition on campus to Baxter. Like, we, we know Jonte is not going anywhere. He had a pretty funny tweet today when Jalen Hale gave somebody a quote about, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to flip uh, Jonte. And he was like, hey, with all due respect, get the F out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Jonte. I, I don't think there's much reason to worry there. I think he's uh, he's been pretty strong from the time. Like we kind of detailed when he committed, he had almost been a commit for <laughs> yeah. But behind the scenes with the top, like with the elite guys in Dallas, they they already knew where he stood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's something interesting. It's not on our run sheet, but I'll throw it in here because I wrote an article about it that will come out uh, about today as you're listening to this um we talked a lot about billy walton in the first week and kind of his development i got a text from a south Oak cliff coach today who said uh hey billy's a different guy now and you know when you get that text you never quite know what it means i was like oh is that good is that bad and it's like no it's really good like he's uh, essentially they were cutting his film together for kind of his first four games and sending it over to me. And it was, you know, Billy's gone from a guy that was an intriguing athlete and, um, you know, was able to kind of just get by everybody with speed to now like really playing with his physicality and he's processing it at such a high level um, that he's not really hesitating anymore. They're seeing, that they think he stepped his game up a tier from where it was even last year when I thought he was a pretty vital piece of that South of Cliff defense. Yeah, Walton, uh, Goosby, and Wilson are kind of the Texas commits that I have listed as, you know, potential senior rise candidates with probably stacking it in the tier just for me personally as Wilson, number one, and I think kind of unquestionably he's just been phenomenal. And then for me personally, it'd probably be Goosby too, and then uh, Walton three, just because I think, I don't think people understand how far Gooseby, Trevor Gooseby, the Melissa offensive tackle has really grown physically as far as just getting those on-field reps mentally. Like, man, I, I think that he's going to be one of the bigger steals in the class. Well, you know what? I We're going to bring Guy Frazier on here in a second. And he saw Trevor Gooseby last week, so maybe he can tell us a little bit about him. Uh, and talk about the UTSA game as he is always our boots on the ground reporter from DKR. Before we bring Guy on, let's go ahead and take a break and hear from those sponsors that we love so much. We love them. And uh, we will come back and talk with Guy Frazier. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. All right, and now we bring you our weekly guest here in the season. It is uh, the great Guy Frazier. Guy, how's it going? Uh, what's up, fellas? Um, exhausted, but but I'm here, so that's all that matters. Yeah, so guys, speechless right. after the sponsors just killed their ad reads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could. He just couldn't handle it. The crowd is going wild. Um, <laughs> it's one of those where you've got to like you're on stage and you've got to wait for all the applause to die down. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's uh, I'm kind of on that verge of like exhaustion where you kind of feel like you're floating, and the amount of coffee that's coursing through you kind of. Um, you're borderline about to have an anxiety attack, but you're just kind of managing, you know, it's just, you're about, you're about to activate goofy mode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or just crash mode, like straight into the ground. And are you just shaking? Like, yeah. You, like sitting in the chair right now is a little difficult at the moment. So. <laughs> well, we're going to try to uh, get you through this. Um, let's start with UTSA. As always, you are boots on the ground reporter at DKR. Um, I'm interested in this. Obviously, the crowd was at the level it was for Alabama, and it's not going to be for the rest of the year. But um, I am interested in – it seems like there is some renewed excitement around the program, Uh, especially with the start of the season they've been having, a little more belief. What was the energy in DKR like on Saturday night? Yeah, so last week we we touched on the Alabama experience, and, you know, my main takeaway was it it felt like – a return to my childhood, you know, of the 2000s and, and the Vincent Colt teams and even the Ricky Sims teams, all that after or that that led up to that. Um, and, I, you know, while it wasn't the Alabama experience, it was a good part two version of it. I mean, we had a little over 102K inside the uh, inside the stadium. And um, I mean, all in all, it was it was really loud and um you know, consistency, I think, is, is what you want from the team and from the fans going forward. And hopefully the product uh, keeps bringing people out because it's been a lot of fun um, and, and it was needed last week and they came through. So after that first that first quarter, I would say almost first half, what was the uh, what was the level of, of uh, panic in the stadium? You know, it wasn't as doom and gloom as, as it has been in the past. I think there was a little bit of faith in this team and maybe some of that was riding and, and, and flowing over from the week before of, okay, you know, we, we handled enough business against Alabama and had a good showing. This team does show it can fight uh, till the end. So I don't think it was hitting the panic button completely, but I think there was some angst and anxiety. Um, you know, we, we I had a, my, our, uh, our buddy Nick Harris with me. Um, and I turned to him when they were down by 10, I guess. And they got to stop. I don't really remember how it all went down. But, I, you know, I think we cut it to one score. And I said, all right, let's just go get one more stop and tie this thing at halftime. And I think that's what they did, if I recall. Um, again, it's all kind of bleeding together at this point. And then from there, it was like game on, you know. Um, and, and Texas never looked back. They go on the 34-3 run and the rest is history. But. Uh, I maintained a, a confidence, and maybe I'm just kind of bullish on this team and this staff. But I would say overall, the 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 feel in the crowd was a little angsty, but not not full on panic. All right. 
Well, Hudson, you're going to recap the. Well, we probably don't need to recap the picks from last week. I mean, they, oh, don't try to get oh, out. We can. We can. Oh, very sly. Uh, also, I would like to say this. Uh, Texas, I believe, finished with their uh, third all time attendance number, getting over 102,000. That's I believe. correct. Yeah. We are all very on the record as being pro UTSA program. Super pro Jeff trailer, yeah. but there were there were a lot of people from the UTSA uh, community that were like, "Man, you see what happens when you schedule us." I mean, we bring. I, I don't think that's how it went, gang. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. you know what? The one thing I commented was when uh, UTSA ran out on the field, they got a nice boo from the student section, and I I commented out loud. That's like booing. Yeah, you're, you're like your favorite uncle or your dad. Like you can't yeah. boo Jeff Trailer. You know, exactly. it just it felt distasteful. He's such a good man. You know, yeah. but that was the only comment I had from that. Of just uh, that, that's I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, like it feels like when a kind of C tier wrestler gets a pop because you know they're fighting against like the best heel, and it's like, well, it's not because of you, like per se. But right. anyway, that was my only thing. All right, quickly recapping the picks. My 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 Highland Park versus Irving kind of meme pick went exactly as we expected. Highland Park just ran over the poor Irving Tigers and covered the forty six point spread with pretty much ease. Guy, what at what point in the game did they hit the forty uh, six? Yeah, I think they I think they covered it with like five or six minutes left in the first half and. Um... Shout-outs to a 2023 all-purpose back, Jay Cox, from Highland Park. He had six touchdowns in the first half before they they pulled the starters with about, uh, I don't know, five or six minutes left in the first half, like I said. So um, I think that said – I don't quote me on this, but I think that said the HP record for touchdowns in the game by an individual, um, breaking Michael Thatcher's record from the 05 state championship of five touchdowns, I believe. So – a guy I've always been bullish on. I think he runs like a 10-700 or somewhere in that ballpark. He's small, but he can go. Um, and, and it was all Scots early and often. And as I was pestering Mike all night long, it, it wasn't a good night to be an Irving Tiger. It rarely, it rarely is. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say this. We, uh, we've long on this podcast has my move been chronicled. And uh, we closed on our house on Thursday. And so, like, we were – moving stuff in and preparing to really, really do the heavy lifting Friday. And so I did not keep up with, I, I kept seeing guys tweets and, uh, you know, I was just like, at that point I was too tired and exhausted from the day to really do battle with them on Twitter. And I mean, like, what, what am I going to do? They yeah like a hundred to nothing in the first quarter. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I definitely expected that to happen, but like maybe, maybe a small part of me thought, well, you know, it'd be funny if it was like 17 to nothing at halftime. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe something like that could happen, but it, that was eliminated rather quickly. So uh, yeah, the poor ring tigers continue to struggle. Yeah. And just so I don't have Highland Park listeners getting at me, I don't think it was Michael Thatcher that had the five touchdowns. Oh, we, we can. I, I nearly cut you off the first time, but we're moving on. Um, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Cibolo Steel made the trip to Midland at Astound Broadband Stadium. And it was an overtime thriller with the Cibolo Steel Knights prevailing i was the only one that picked the uh knights 
And yeah, that was, I mean, that's why you put that one on the pick them because an OT thriller in Midland, um, pretty great game. But the flip side of that, Colleen Harker Heights with a one point, just brutal loss against the Odessa Permian Panthers guy. You pick up the only win on that as Mike and I were Harker Heights backers. And then this is the segment called Apologies to the DCTF Computer. We all kind of poo-pooed the uh, uh, DCTF Computer for making Corpus Christi Cal Allen a seven-point favorite on the road against Cuero. They kind of stomped the gobblers, and all three of us end up losing that pick. I think last week I said I really like when we split games and I've got somebody – I'm not out on an island each time. And that definitely bit me because each of you picked up a win in those uh, West Texas games, and I, I went over for 2 getting those uh, signals yeah. crossed. So, really, I mean, look, like you said, it was a one-point loss and like a six-point loss, right? It'd been an overtime game where in regulation it's essentially a tie. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was definitely very close, but yeah, not a great week. I think I went what two and three. You technically went three and three with the um with the spread bonus, so that helps you out. But yes, in actuality, two and three. And as I was going to mention, the two games that you got in Highland Park over Irving and then Longview over Lufkin were not very close because I, I was in attendance for Longview, absolutely stomping Lufkin on the road at Abe Martin and. I, I felt like Longview, and I think I even said I felt like they were going to beat them by more than the um, DCTF 20-point spread. But to see them score the most points of all time in Lufkin and, I believe, set the record for the biggest margin of victory in Lufkin, it was pretty wild to see, especially because the Lufkin community just showed out for that game. It was electric at kickoff, and the entire high school parking lot, like, around the stadium including people parking on the grass was filled up and so I, I felt bad for the Lufkin community that they couldn't give more of a show but man Longview just really does seem to be the class of 5AD1. Truly a Friday Night Lights type of feel right? Oh absolutely Mike it was I was taking as many videos and photos as I can because I was just thinking to myself this is kind of one of the special moments that I really wanted to be in this profession for and uh, got to talk with Brennan Marion for a little bit there. He was uh, there to see Jalen Hale, and it was it was it was just pretty special. So we're gonna move on to this week's picks uh, segment, guy. These are all your picks. I will say probably a little bit of needling on a couple of the picks. There's one in particular that I'm interested to hear the reasoning for. Yeah, well, I mean. TBH, it's not a very good slate across the state. I think there's a lot of foos gold. You could have done like Longview Lancaster, but I'll be honest, I don't think that's going to be much of a game. So, and, and here's another thing I'm, I'm trying to focus us on as we go forward is we don't want to get in a rut of picking the same teams week after week. So maybe we can find a way to mention them kind of in our recap or, or leading up to it, but trying to spread the love a little bit. So, um, first game of the slate uh, will take us to 7 p.m. Friday night at the Soto's Eagles Stadium as uh, 6A's number 23 team in the state, the Waxahachie Indians, who are 4-0 and definitely on the rise. Uh, make the short travel north to the number 12 team in 6A, the DeSoto Eagles, who are 3-1 entering Friday's game. Uh, Eagles enter this game as a 19-point favorite, according to DCTF's computer. 
looks like the wheel is speaking as I speak, and it looks like I'll go yeah, first. spinning right now. It's yeah. you, Mike, me. Okay, so guy, Mike Hudson. Uh, I'll make this quick. I, I touched on Waxahachie and kind of their improvement of talent over the last couple of years. Um, I think when we kind of did our preseason um, intro to all this stuff. And, I, you know, I think this is a year where, where Hatchie maybe steals a spot or maybe even slides up in the second or third spot in that District of Doom. Um, all that being said, I think the Soto does win this game. But there is some intrigue around this game as it's a little bit of a building rivalry between the two. Uh, the kids know each other well. In fact, there's a little bit of animosity off the field last year well, with the situation. So there's definitely um, – some contention here and some, and some fun aspect that surrounds this game. But I do think DeSoto uh, does win this particular game this year. I really uh, – first of all, I, I, I'll give my pick here in a second. I do think that 19 points is way too rich for either side. So as we have apologized to the DCTF computer, I will once again uh, drag it out to the middle of the field and kick it. Um, for either side, I think if you were picking them, you know, nearly three touchdowns is a lot. Uh, but I was really ready to pick Waxahachie because I do think that they're a program on the rise. I think that they're a program that can take that district. Um, and I sat, I sat there and thought about it. And in situations like this, I've always kind of rolled with DeSoto. Um, so... While I, while I, it wouldn't shock me at all if Waxahachie wins this game, and if it, they do, I think that they are, you know, easily the favorite to kind of uh, to win that district and, and probably make a run. Um, but I am going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Desoto in this one. Here are Hatchie's two results on the year that I think really underscore how good that program's become. And we talked about them on the preseason show, like Guy mentioned. This isn't something that was necessarily shocking to us, but after their week one 42-2 win over arch rival Ennis, we kind of understood that this team was going to honestly shift from the likely fourth maybe third spot to we kind of had this understanding that when they played cedar hill to open up district that hatchie was going to be the considerable favorite and then as i kind of hinted at cedar you know hatchie gets up on them i believe 51 to 7 late in the game and cedar hill scores two garbage time touchdowns to make the box score a little bit prettier so rolling into this game i'm pretty tempted to take waxahatchee but it's one of those things where DeSoto really hasn't shown me anything to where I, I think that I want to pick against them, even though I do like the story. And I think that Hatchie it has a legitimate shot to upset a DeSoto or a Duncanville, maybe even sweep the district of doom. But until they actually do it, they got so close last year at home. Don't love that. It's on the road. I'm going to go with DeSoto, Jonte Cook in the game. Okay. Um, yeah, fun game. All right, moving on to uh, game number two of our five-game slate in week five. Uh, we travel to the northern part of the DFW Metroplex. As we go to 7 p.m. Friday at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, We've got the Frisco Wakeland Wolverines who are off to a little bit of a slower start than initially thought uh, going into the season as they're one and three. 
Uh, going up against their their arch rival within Frisco ISD, the number nine team in five AD one, the Frisco Lone Star Rangers, who are two and one. Um, a little bit of history between these two schools. Uh, when Lone Star opened, it was actually to take some of the crowding from Wakeland. So you actually have a lot of uh, siblings and family members who are sometimes split within families. I actually know a couple friends who are in that situation. So. Uh, you know, while Frisco ISD continues to grow and kind of not have an identity for schools, as I sometimes say, these two definitely do. Uh, and they actually are two of the better athletic programs within Frisco ISD. Typically have some decent prospects and, and, and pretty good teams as well. So uh, the wheel's spoken. Um, it looks like Hudson will go first. I will go second and Mike will follow in the in the uh, in the trail. Yeah, I I honestly just. There wasn't really a spread for this game listed, but it's at 16, according to my check. I I don't know. Wakeland's pretty bad. I love Connor Stroh. I think that he's a gem of a person, and I think that he has a legit chance to play at Texas, but he can't uh, row the boat by himself. And, you know, the Wakeland Wolverines dropped a game to Frisco Heritage, which doesn't really um, – make me think that they'll have a shot against Lone Star, unfortunately. So pretty simple pick for me. Give me the state rake team over the one and three. Yeah. So this game, um, again, with it, in my opinion, being a little bit of a mediocre slate across state, I thought let's, let's show some love to a prospect we haven't talked about in a while in a Texas commit. So uh, with that being said, I think Connor Stroh spends as much time in Austin as I do every game I'm at, he's at, so he's three for three this year, I believe. Um, it's like he almost already has his dorm room and he's already moved in uh, down on the 40. So um, he looks good. He continues to chisel out and lose a little bit of weight. Um, so hopefully his senior year continues to, to go in the right direction. His team, it's been a struggle. Uh, I don't think Lone Star is as good as they've been uh, in the past, but they are still a pretty formidable foe. Uh, so give me Lone Star um, and our good friends with the Rangers. Yeah, I will say if you're in Austin, it's pretty easy to spot Connor when he's down on the sideline with the recruits. Um, he's usually the largest one there. Uh, unless some basketball recruits are in town. Uh, there was a uh, – I remember last year being at the Oklahoma State game and um, the kid uh, Dylan Mitchell, is that the kid yeah. that's basketball player? Yeah. He was on the sideline. I guess he was on his official visit for basketball during that weekend. And I was just like, okay, I don't think this kid's a football player, but he's so big. Like, I, I was trying to figure out who he was. He was like the only guy I could kind of look Connor in the eye. Um, you're right that Lone Star is not kind of what they used to be. Uh, I, I do still think they are, like you said, a pretty formidable team. The one thing that I will say, if you're looking at schedules – you know, Lone Star and Reedy played to a 13 to 7 game, and then Wakeland also played Reedy pretty close uh, last week. So I do think there is some potential there. And I, I was really kind of excited about this Wakeland team after we saw them beat Highland Park in the playoffs last year and kind of what they were bringing back. Um, I, I do think what we've seen from Stroh week to week has been good on film. Um, and so I'm ready to see kind of what he brings against them. That said, I can't pick against Lone Star in this one. Yeah, they're an intriguing case that, again, because I haven't seen them in person, have no idea what's really gone wrong. But they brought back enough pieces you would think they'd be pretty decent after their run last year, and it just 
it's kind of fallen on its face so far. So not sure what the issue is with Wakeland or if they just lost the right pieces that they needed to, to return to, to strength again, but it's just not been good. Um, so moving on to game number three, uh, it's a little bit of an interesting pick, um, but I think it's a fun game and, and it involves some friends of the show as well as a look ahead to some future talent. So um, another DFW game, actually, 7 p.m. Friday at Richardson ISD's Wildcat Ram, Ram Stadium, at least for another day. Uh, the Richardson Lake Highlands Wildcats, who are 2-2, two and two, play their crosstown rival, the Richardson Berkner Rams, uh, who are 2-2 two and two as well. These two schools share a stadium. Uh, they share neighborhoods, and, and there's really no love lost. Um, Mike, I'll let you go first. I'll go second. And um, Hudson will go third. Yeah, this is a game that if you're in the area and you're just looking for a game, there is some young talent. Bertner is kind of loaded in the 2025 group. Um, and they've, I, you know, just full disclosure, head, co- head coach at Bertner, uh, Trey Bryant, is a friend of Guy and I's. And we went out to Bertner earlier this year. And I, I do think he's going to do some good things with that program and, and maybe keep some of those kids there and, and kind of turn it, turn it back around. Bertner's. Uh, two and two on the year with losses to McKinney and Wiley East and wins over Richardson and Richardson Pierce. So they've got losses against two, you know, decent good teams and wins against two pretty bad teams. Um, not a lot to take away there. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with Lake Highlands in this one. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, Lake Highlands enters this game as a 17 point favorite. So that's worth noting. Um, from a high school football perspective, there's a little bit of history on the line. I noticed um, their team account, Bertner, posted this weekend that there was. I was kind of curious what that entailed, so I looked into it. Um, Bertner on Friday is looking to beat their rival, Lake Highlands, for the first time in, since 2011, so it's been over a decade. Um, they're also going for the first sweep of Richardson ISD since 2005 when they had their 12-1 and team. Uh, and they, they actually did so in 2004 as well with Trey Bryant, who, who uh, Mike mentioned. So they've got a little bit of a rich history, but it's been a while since Bertner has been uh, flowing in the right direction. Um, and, and Mike mentioned some of the young talent. 2025 wide receiver Kobe Freeman is a guy of note. He picked up a Baylor Tech and a UTSA offer this past spring. Um, has some good track times. And another guy I thought of note from our, our trip over there in February, Mike, was Jaquavius Kennedy, the defense alignment in the 24 class. Um, I just figured this out five minutes ago, but he actually picked up a Colorado State offer this summer um, after first-team all-district honors as a sophomore a year ago. So um, there's some guys of note. And then I saw Lake Highlands a couple uh, weeks ago against Highland Park, and they didn't have him much, but one takeaway I saw was Deontay Dean, their 2024 running back. Um, he's a guy that may end up at like an FCS-type school um, or maybe low G5. I, I don't know if he has enough speed, but he is a good size back and proved to be a, a nice foe for Highland Park when I saw them. Um, all that said, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Lake Highlands in the streak. I think Trey and them are building something at Bertner, uh, but I still think they're a couple um, years away from getting really where they want to be. Uh, so give me the Wildcats. Um, and it'll still remain Wildcat Ram Stadium if that's the case. If, if whoever wins gets to name their, their mascot first in the, in the title. So there you have it. 
love that wrinkle for the stadium naming. I would like to say, though, this is the chief needling game to where it is. If the Houston area equivalent of this game was ever picked, I oof, I, don't, I don't even know what that would even be. But, uh, yeah, give me Lake Highlands. I'm, I'm loyal to my Wildcats as I am technically in their attendance zone. Hey, look, sometimes we show love to our buddies, and Trey's, Trey's a good, good buddy. And, and I actually really do think Kobe Freeman could be pretty damn good here in a couple He's of a years. He's a good player. I think, I think we're kind of on the front end of what his potential is. So um, hopefully they keep guys like that around and keep accumulating that type of talent. You, you never know what can happen. So um, moving on to game number four, uh, we've got the Battle of the Lake, I, th- I think is what it's called, if I, if I recall back in, in my high school football memory. Uh, we've got the Austin Lake Travis Cavaliers, who are 2-2 two and two so far this year, going up against um, their arch rivals, the number one team in 6A, the Austin Westlake Chaparrales, who are 3-0. and uh, Forgot to mention, this is 7.30 p.m. Friday at Westlake Chaparral Stadium. Uh, the Chaps enter this game as a eight-point favorite. Um, I think that's a little nice towards the Cavs personally, but that's just my thoughts on that. Uh, the, the wheel has spoken. Hudson will go first. I once again will go second, and Mike will be in the trail. Austin was like by whatever they want. Yeah. I, for for as much fun as this rivalry can, can tend to be in the past and, and whatever, I, I don't know. I, that that eight-point difference, according to DCTF's computer, is way too nice. I think Westlake wins big. Despite whatever quarterback issues and injuries they've had, I, I don't know if it really matters. Lake Travis just did not impress me a couple weeks ago. So, if you're counting, that's us uh, apologizing to the DCTF computer and then dragging it twice. Um, I did – there were a couple points brought up by DCTF this week on Tep and Step that I thought were interesting. It is interesting to note that you know, Hank Carter has been in this rivalry for a long time, and this is Tony Salazar's first rodeo. Um, there have been previous years where Lake Travis has seemed to be completely outmatched and has pulled off upsets in this game. Um, so there is a history for it. That said, I think the spread is insane as well, but just usually we think it's too big. It's, it seems way too small. Uh Hudson and I, and I think Guy, uh, Guy, yeah, Guy, you're on board with, uh, you're a Jack Kaiser guy, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, through y'all, but yeah. I think it, we're all in agreement. This is going to be, I would say, it could be death by Jack Kaiser at, at Westlake, who we really love at running back. Um, and obviously, Jaden Greathouse. And then uh, we saw Lake Travis a couple weeks ago, uh, Guy and I did, and uh, Bo Edmondson, the Michigan State commit, did not play. Um, there were concerns at the time that his injury was pretty long-term. He's still out. And I thought their, their backup, Caden Leon, played really well. But he's going to have Colton Vosick chasing him for four quarters or probably like two and a half quarters. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm taking Westlake big. Yeah, I, I just don't think Lake Travis has the dudes they've had in the past. So, And Westlake does. Um so, with that said, we'll we'll quickly move on to our last game of the slate in our a little bit of an unconventional small school game of the week. Um, as we go back to the DFW area, um, seven thirty p.m. Friday at Glory H. Snyder Stadium in in North Dallas, um, we've got the number two team in four A D one, the China Spring Cougars, who are 
off to a hot 4-0 start. Traveling to face off with the number one team in private school football this year in Texas, the Dallas Parish Episcopal Panthers, who are 3-1 after their loss to Sock uh, a week ago. Despite all that, Parish enters this game as an 11-point favorite, according to the DCTF computer. Uh, the wheel has spoken. I'll go first. Hudson will go second. And Mike, again, will be in the trail. Um, I've, I've touched on this a little bit already, that some of the star um, attractions of, of, of this Parish team are actually some kids I'm familiar with due to their Highland Park background. They're kids that still live in the community um, and, and have just transferred over uh to, to the land of the blue field. And uh, there, there's some impressive players. I like Hutch Crow. I like Sawyer Anderson, the quarterback. Um, Sawyer was not big against um, a sock team. That's kind of trending in the right direction a week ago, but talking to a member of the sock staff, um, they came away really impressed with his film going into that game and said he did have some bright moments um, in last week's game, which was hotly contested. Um, as far as this China Spring team, I don't know enough about individuals on the team, uh, but they do have a pretty impressive resume so far that I'll probably let Hudson dive into if he wants. Um, but we've, we've spoken about them a little bit this year. And, and with all that said, I'm kind of, you know, I don't really know where to lean on this game. I think I'm going to go with Parrish, um, but I have a feeling I'm, I'm going to really regret that for some reason. Um I don't know. G give me Parrish. I guess I'll go with the DFW school. That's probably my reasoning on this one. Love it. Love it. Love it. Listen, I, I, yeah, all, I don't know. We, we've all picked the same exact teams for every single pick. I, even whatever you were going to do, I was just going to do something different so that we weren't so monotonous for every pick. I was leaning China Spring anyway, so I appreciate it. Give me Cash McCollum at QB, the Wimberley transfer leading them um, to victory against Parrish. I did not know guy that Hutch Crow had transferred to Parrish. I saw him in the summer and he was still a high or in the spring and he was still a high park. He, he transferred like what less than a month before the school year. He was really impressive when I saw him in a, uh, in a seven on seven tournament, like one of the best players on the field. Quite the loss. Yeah, uh, that's a, that. That does seem kind of big for for how. I mean, I know Highland Park's got guys over here, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was kind of worried we were gonna go a whole week with everybody picking the same team. So, um, you know, Hudson has has thrown a wrench into that. I I talked with a lot of guys on the Sox staff to get their gauge of Parish, and Parish's um, non district has been insanely good. I mean, it's. They, they beat Alito. They played stock really tough. I think that those things matter and why I typically don't think that uh, private schools can, can hold up with even, you know, the 4A schools and, and teams like that. I do think that this is a different type of private. This is a, a private school that's built maybe like we haven't really ever seen. I mean, maybe there's been a couple of schools, you know, maybe a few of those St. Pius teams, maybe a few of those Bishop Dunn teams have been able to do it. I, I'm going to lean, um, because it's at home, I'm going to lean towards Parrish on this one. Yeah, I think it's different from the standpoint of there's a potential for longevity here. Some of these other private schools, they kind of come and go. Um, 
this one, the staff that's there and the people that help run the school and everybody that kind of surrounds this program want this to stay and for it to happen. Um, and, and even some of the staff lives in Highland Park, like they just kind of have the right roots. They, they do a good job of attracting other talent in North Dallas. I just don't really see it going anywhere anytime soon. And they've got the, the blue field that they can attract kids with. That's just kind of a unique deal. Um, I guess the, the one thing that kind of gave me pause was, yeah, Parrish has had a really good non-district schedule, but so is China Spring. Um, yeah. They crushed right. Lorena, a really good Lorena team. They showed they could win a tight game against a, a really good Melissa team. Uh, they smacked it down Mejia program. But then last week, they just demolished Waco Connolly. And I don't know really what to think of that. I don't know if it's just the Kobe Black show. Um, Jelani McDonald, the Oklahoma State commit, uh, that kind of we, we at 24 7 were really high on. Um, he unfortunately was out, and he is really the I'd say the X factor, or maybe I guess the better term would be like glue guy for that team, and that everything as a high school quarterback runs through him. And Kobe Black getting to be the primary playmaker outside of him is a lethal one two combo, and so without Jelani McDonald. Uh, it was like you said, all China Spring. Well, and, and you cool. don't have Trey Wisner anymore. You know, I don't know. I, so I didn't know really what to think of that, other than the score was impressive. So the Melissa result is what gives me hope that China Spring can come into Dallas and beat a Parish team that um, beat Alito and you know really kind of uh, <laughs> really kind of fumbled uh, the bag against Sock. They, yeah, I mean, they had a two touchdown lead late. Yeah, they probably should have won that game, and sure. I think it just got a little – the moment got a little too bright for him, to be completely honest. Um, I have a couple games I wanted to go through. Or, or if we're cool to move on, I wanted to go through a couple games because a lot of people, the feedback that I've gotten is that if you know they're in a certain area, they use this segment to kind of look at games to potentially go to. Um, sure. So if you're in East Texas, I would go out to Longview, Lancaster – I, I think that all three of us would have picked Longview, but Lancaster, I mean, we probably all three would have picked Sock to beat Lancaster and Lancaster uh, just demolished them to be complete. Like y'all were both at that game. It was a little bit of a brutal show. And then honestly, I thought they handled themselves against Denton Geyer much better than I would have anticipated. So that's a game to look out for. If you're in the San Antonio area or are in between Austin and San Antonio, make the trip and go see Deuce Adams and New Braunfels Canyon, go to Smithson Valley. Awesome game. If you're in the Houston area, Port Natchez Groves at Fort Ben Marshall's really intriguing. Um, and then if you're up uh, in Amarillo, it's hell week in Amarillo as Tascosa and uh, the Amarillo Golden Sandies are going to make a, um, I believe a drive to West Texas A&M to play that game, which I think is kind of fun. I'd like it to stay in, in city, but considering all of the, uh, people that are going to be at that game, I can understand wanting a bigger capacity as well. So, you know, uh, while it's not a high level slate, there are enough, uh, you know, there are, there's some fun oh, games. Yeah. There are a lot of intriguing games and we're in that weird period. where like, a lot of teams are on by this week. Yep. Um, a yeah, lot week five teams. and six are brutal with that. Yeah. I, I will say it just because of how many games there are, it just you always have angles in high school football. Like Cy Fair and Stratford doesn't jump off the page, but is kind of an intriguing game with Stratford being a seven point favorite against a Cy Fair school. You know, there's always games to look sure. at. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's just this is the week. It's always hardest for me to pick games because it's like you're on by or some teams are starting districts. Some teams are still, you know, one week away from districts. So, it, just, yeah, this week for me was just let's show some love to some friends and then just show some love to some young talent or some or some Texas guys that we just haven't talked about in a couple of weeks. And I just think the Longview Lancaster game is interesting. I think if you're out in East Texas, I think Hudson's 100% right. Go to it. But Mike also, and I were standing because- there a couple of weeks ago and we were like, I'm afraid people are going to see this Lancaster sock result and really buy stock into this Lancaster team. And I just don't think the stock is there yet. Now, if they really punch Longview in the mouth, then by all means, I'm wrong. There are some pieces there for Lancaster, but they're not especially big up front. I know Longview's extremely physical with this this particular team, and that just kind of gives me pause. And then that's a little bit of a poke for Lancaster that have to go down 20. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought Tep and Step made the best point of – they want – apparently, I think Leon Paul – the Lancaster head coach told uh, somebody, whether it was DCTF or another journalist, that you know they wanted to schedule that Denton Geyer game to get the idea of having to make a road trip against a really good team on the road. And you know, Step put it well, where it's like Denton Geyer's a fantastic program, but comparing the atmosphere at CH Collins Stadium versus what you're going to get in Longview, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's legitimately like comparing one of the, you know, 1500 Frisco schools to like a Port Natchez Groves type, like where, you know, it's right. a, right. it's it's just a different type of ball game. So I don't think Lancaster really will beat Longview. And I, I think that's why it's fine for us not to really put a pick because we'd all have the same pick on it. But it is worth talking about because sure. – if yeah. they do, if they do hang around and compete, you, we have to start talking about them as a legitimate state title team. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely fair. I think there's a lot to watch for in this game. I think they'll definitely give a, a better push than what we saw from Lufkin a week ago. Oh, I think yeah. Lancaster's in much better place as a program, but um, you're right, guy. But the thing is, too, if they don't, if Longview does steamroll them, just like. Lufkin, I think we need to then start having the conversation of, is this one of the better East Texas teams of all time? Like, right. And I think it continues to add to our thesis or, or hypothesis, whatever, that um, mm-hmm. this might be a Longview team that's kind of, it's them versus the field in 581, and everybody else is just kind of a step, step or two behind. So um, um, I have a segment before we get out of here, unless we have any other closing thoughts. Yeah, can, just our, our schedule for this next week. Yeah, can we? Uh, if we're going to do that, let's uh, let's take another break real quick and hear from some sponsors. All right, uh, Hudson's called for the ball. We'll do uh, we'll do our schedules after this, and I am interested to get guys' thoughts on uh, Trevor Goosby, who we saw last week. But Hudson, what do you have for us? And this doesn't just have to be a Hudson segment. This can be anybody, any week. Um, this is a new segment I like to call "Poking the Bear." So let's uh, get this poking the bear segment out of the way. Did you know that a Dallas area team hasn't won a 6A state title since 2017? That would have been Allen, I'm guessing. Allen, and then in 2016, DeSoto won the D2 title. Yeah, they, they beat Cibolo Steel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that poking the bear at Mike and I from south, all the way from southeast Texas? I mean, I, I didn't realize it, it – like – Obviously, that was very much in bad faith, right? And true, truly poking the bear. But in all seriousness, I didn't realize it had been that long. 
Because you do forget because Dallas has such a good uh, grip on 5A most years that mm-hmm. I don't know. That that just kind of snuck up on me to where it's this would be the fifth year if North Shore and Westlake won 6A as we're kind of expecting. This would be year five of no 6A titles. That's the thing is is 6A has been – it's been the North Shore and Westlake dynasties, and those have been special, special teams. You know, I think those Duncanville teams in most other years were outstanding. Oh, yeah. Couldn't get over the hump against North Shore. Look, there were a couple couple of those titles that North Shore won that I thought Duncanville was clearly the better team, and, and credit to North Shore for winning them. There are two big asterisks, I think. I don't know if y'all would agree with me. Or there's one big asterisk, and then there's one team that probably should have had it done but didn't. If Jaquindon Jackson doesn't get hurt, I absolutely believe that Duncanville team uh, rolls that North Shore team. But history is what it is, and there's a chance we get round four this year, which I – I mean, what would we even say on the state title preview, right? Like You don't go against a streak. Yeah. And then I wanted to mention this too. The 2020, uh, the 2020 D2 game where Caden Salter kind of put Cedar Hill on his backpack to get to that game. And then unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but Katie does just kind of steamroll that squad. That's the other one I look at to where, you know, having the best player on the team and then putting out that uh, on the field and then putting out that effort was just woof. Yeah, I do think you know. We'll, we'll maybe D two has a has a good ch- better chance this year, especially if you know Westlake South goes D one or uh, you know. I think Guyer's always dangerous there. So yeah, we'll. I see. think there's a team that's sitting at number ten that's kind of smelling something. Uh oh, right? just saying. Yeah, the Highland Park Scotties. And I, if I, mean, I recall last weekend, the group text, I got an apology about maybe we should start reconsidering the yellow brick road a little bit. So Geyer, Geyer was pretty dang bad against Prosper. And I will say Prosper is the type of team. They're like a MMA fighter that just makes everybody's fights ugly. Right. To where, you know, guys that were getting first round highlight knockouts are all of a sudden kind of stinking to third round decisions and stuff like that. But I did have this horrible feeling last week of, you know, the yellow brick road might be intact. And if here's, Scotty won a state title in 6A, there's nothing anybody can ever say about that. Here's all I'll say. I, I told someone this on the phone today that randomly asked me this question. It's never skill talent that, that scares me against Highland Park, which guy has all in the world. It's if you're just brutally bigger and more physical than us up front. And you two are the ones that kind of clued me in on, eh, guy doesn't really have that type of guy yeah. up front. And again, I think recruitniks and fans just, oh, look at all the skill talent. They're going to clobber Highland Park. That's never really what bothers us. It's if you just punch us in the mouth up front. If Geyer doesn't have that, I think that kind of adds a wrinkle to that whole equation. That could be interesting. But that's a long time from now. We can talk about that some other time. But, you know, interesting poking the bear note. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to spend the next week deep in Liberty history just to poke the bear. <laughs> just getting ready for poking the bear next week. Just being like, hey, uh, Bridge City and Huffman, historically better programs than Liberty, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. Huffman, just a better place to live. <laughs> yeah, quality of life index. <laughs> better place Pulling to live. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, I love I, I love for this to start out as a high school football segment, and then all of a sudden to be like, you know what, the Tejas Club not that not that interesting. <laughs> it just a, gets really personal. <laughs> yeah, just 
Guy's going to start taking shots at U.S. soccer on here. Yeah, look at that shirt that Mark's wearing right now. Golly. Because I'm wearing the dominant U.S. soccer team. Three stars. Oh, yeah. Don't make me pull up the Ghanaian jersey right now, Mike. It's just to my right in the closet. Let's not. Um, guy, we have to off. save that for the World Cup segments when we're doing state. I mean, that might actually be a three-hour show when the World Cup comes <laughs> around. Yeah. We'll lose listeners if we start talking World Cup. Um, Probably true. Guy, you saw Trevor Gooseby last week. What did you think uh, there? Yeah, I think um, – I don't know how much of this was really known publicly, but Trevor uh, suffered the concussion week one against Argyle. A little bit of a freak play. He got flipped on his head, basically. And I really think he actually could have come back uh, a week or two later. But coaching staff at Melissa just decided to look out for his future and just his overall health and kept him out just because it was non-district play and there was no need to rush him back. So uh, last week against Crandall, uh, a feisty Crandall team, too, um, you know, it was, it was his first full game of the season. And, and it looked like that. It was um, a little bit slow early, just a little bit slow in his, in his footwork and um, not as flexible. He just kind of looked a little stiff. Once he got into the second and third quarter, I thought he really found a groove um, and had a couple dominant moments where he finished with, you know, pancake blocks and, and really started to kind of get into his own uh, and pass pro. I think the one thing that I took away, though, from the game was uh, Trevor's really improved um, in run blocking. Um, I think that's helped with him getting bigger uh, just from a pure size standpoint. You know, I remember a year ago he was playing around 235, 240 at times. Um, and he's also 6'7 or 6'8 with cleats on. So, And he wasn't that a year ago. He was more like 6'5, 6'6. Um, so he's continued to grow. And with that, the weight is distributed right. He's gotten stronger. Um, and he just has a better feel for the game as he kind of goes up through the levels of the defense and finds guys uh, to, to go maul. Um, and he opened some big lanes um, in that second half last week, and I guess in the second quarter, um, as, as Melissa really just kind of pulled away from Crandall with a flip of a switch. And, and a big piece of that was – I think Melissa rushed for over 250 yards and, and Trevor Gooseby was a big part of that. So um, he would tell you, and I spoke to him after the game, wasn't his best effort, uh, but that's to be expected as it's his first full game of the year. Uh, he's finally healthy again, and, and he did have some good moments as well. So a little bit of a mixed bag. All right. Well, let's get into our schedules this week because we are all going to be at the same Friday night game. Um, so really the intrigue is in the Thursday night game. Uh, Thursday night, I'll start. I will be, uh, you can actually watch me on DCTF's Texan Live. I will be doing the watch along uh, of Klein Kane and Tomball Memorial um, with uh, the great, yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, it was supposed to be a different game, but they weren't able to get the right. It was supposed to be Harker Heights, Pflugerville Weiss, which was actually kind of a banger. Yeah, I was when they told me about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, great." You what know, happened? Uh, just I don't think they got the rights to broadcast it. Um, so you know, is what it is. It's always a fun time. It's like a fun thing to do because it's literally for anybody who hasn't seen it. They turn the game on. We sit in the studio and we mystery science theater it. And uh, I'll be joined by uh, a couple of DCTF folk and uh, Mallory Hartley and Ashley Pickle and uh, Ishmael Johnson, and then the great Joe Cluley from uh, Mount Pleasant, head coach. 
uh, is going to be doing it with me. So you'll see two big bearded guys sitting together and uh, talking about football. So you can watch that there um, if you're if you're at home. Um, and then Friday night, I guess I'll. Do you guys want me to me to announce the Friday night game? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Friday night, we are all going east. We are going over the border to Louisiana to the city of Manny uh, to see Isidore Newman and Arch Manning and, and Will Randall uh, against a two A state power in Louisiana uh, in Manny who has a, a USC commit in Tackett Curtis. It's uh, going to be a really tough test for Arch. I, this is something we probably need to spend a little more time on next show, but uh, Arch has been silencing some narratives this year uh, as far as level of competition and production. Um, this is probably going to be his toughest test, I would say. So uh, we're excited to see him in person. Yeah, I mean, we all circled this on the schedule um, preseason because this is the toughest test. And I, I know people are going to hear the two-way and kind of – immediately start you know either making jokes or whatever like Manning just completed a really masterclass comeback performance against a 5A school but it's in Louisiana but it's one of those things where this Manny team if you follow high school football kind of reminds me as far as enrollment and the type of team they are as uh, their friends just kind of I want to say less than an hour away across the border in Newton right but they're like one of those old school state contending Newton teams that has a true legitimate playmaker in Tackett Curtis, who, like you said, is a USC commit. And as a senior, it's just one of the better senior versus senior matchups. It's going to be a really good test for Arch because, I mean, it's it's just what we circled preseason. And we're so excited. I think we're going to blow the coverage out of the water, to be completely honest. So I'm excited about that. Real quick, my Thursday night game, as I mentioned earlier, Spring to Caney, Aldi and Eisenhower, getting to see the pair of Texas wide receiver commits on either side and Ryan Niblett and Jonah Wilson. Guy, what do you got going Thursday? Uh, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm studying. So uh, – did I also see, though, that Mr. Randall is injured and not going to be playing this week for Isidore Newman? Yeah. I, I deleted the app. I delete Twitter every week for – I mean, you two know that, but there's no reason. Um, yeah, that, guy, he's, he's – I believe he has – I saw that. Okay. I saw that, and then, like I said, I delete social media for the week and focus on school and thought maybe I'm dreaming. Um, so, uh, yeah, focusing on studies tomorrow won't, won't go to a game. Not a very good slate around here, so I'll stay home. For a second straight week, uh, then I'll be with y'all on Friday night. Really excited about that. And then Saturday, I'm actually trudging on uh, to New Orleans after our game Friday to see two more games. Uh, I'll see Boogaloosa play John Errett down in the New Orleans area. Uh, I think that's like at 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, and then Saturday night, I will see Edna Carr and St. Og play. and really excited about that. Um, I think that'll be down in the jungle at the bowl, and that's straight up my alley. And, and a lot of good players on both sides and really just two history-rich programs um, in inner-city New Orleans. So really looking forward to that. And uh, you know, just have out some time on on Bourbon Street as well to celebrate. So, hey, uh, uh, are you time. going to the dojo? I am going to our dojo. Uh, I may try to double dip as I typically do. Will, Willie's Chicken, for those who don't know, um, is Hudson and I's kind of go to spot in New Orleans for a good in, late night meal. 
any New Orleans people probably will like it's it's a very cliche answer, I believe. But the memory of post Sugar Bowl win getting oh, yeah. some Willie's Chicken Shack. Oh man! All yeah, time. I mean, you probably can find better, but it's conveniently located. It's so convenient. There's a charm yeah. to it. They're everywhere. Like it, it's and it really is good food. They they yeah. Smack and chicken and biscuits, and they have really good daiquiris. I was about to say, the daiquiri <laughs> game is on point. Like you said, it's so convenient. Yeah. So apologies for any, I wouldn't want to say snobbish, but just people who are like, ah, no, you need to go to this place. Understood. But that is just Guy and I's, one of our favorite spots. Well, I mean, and other eateries will be taken in. There's a place in Uptown New Orleans I like to go to, and, and Nick's going to show me a place that I think Mike's actually been to before. Uh, William Seafood. Yes. Okay. So we're we're going to be partaking in some some more local treasures as well. But I For would sure. be not paying myself um, attention if I didn't go to Willie's at least once. So yeah. William Seafood's great. I you know what I I was a late to New Orleans guy in life. Like really didn't go a bunch until like Arch Manning appeared on a radar, and then I've sure. been a bunch in the past couple of years. Um, and I like New Orleans. It's fine. I don't think I know any well with the possibility of Gabe Brooks. I don't know anybody else who loves New Orleans the way Guy does. So uh, excited yeah. to hear about the travels on the on the on the show next week. My second favorite place on the planet. So good times. Right next to the Park Cities. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, I, th- I think that's it. No, no, nothing oh. else. Just worried about the poking the bear segment for next week. I, I've unleashed Pandora's box with that segment, even though it was worth it. So are you throwing up the ball on that every week? Is that your deal? Yeah, I, I honestly think that anybody can take the rock after okay. we get done with picks. The problem is I'm just – you know me, Hudson. I'm going to uh, accelerate this to a level next week. Like there is going to be no gradual build. Next week I'm just going to attack everything we love. Yeah, like, I'm immediately uh, – I'm trying to think of a fun equivalent that's not MMA, but almost like you're going to go into a Habib Nurmagomedov style. Like, I'm immediately going to take you down and beat your ass. Like, that's what poking the bear is now. Yeah, I'm going to say the worst things about Terry Buss. No, oh, no. Oh, I've ruined it. All uh, right, my last note, my weekly bit, Shouts to Abilene Cooper great, Chris Heron. The Abilene Cooper Cougars take on our rival Odessa Permian Panthers this week. So interesting out west. That's my last note on today's show. I'll see you all next week. All right. We appreciate everybody for listening, playing along, all those sorts of things. Uh, for Guy Frazier, Hudson Stanish, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. Do this five-star review, please. <laughs>